0: If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. When you cross the Jordan, you shall be free. And that raises the question what it means to cross the Jordan. And I'm going to present to you right now uh, Five things that I think it means to cross the Jordan. You know, when the people of God crossed the Red Sea, it was very significant. They had been in Egyptian bondage for uh, 400 plus years, and God delivered them through the 10 plagues of Egypt, through Moses' leadership, and they were able to cross the Red Sea on dry ground that according to the new testament clearly represents their salvation they trusted in the lord and they were delivered and in the new testament it likens their crossing the red sea to them being baptized so if you're tracking with me so far the symbolism the significance of crossing the red sea is salvation so then what is the significance of the jordan river what happened since they crossed the red sea they were disobedient and did not go into the land of canaan because 10 spies said there are giants in the land And two spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, Let's go take this land filled with milk and honey that the Lord has promised to us. But because they believed those ten spies, they did not go into the land, and because of their disobedience, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, during that time, the older generation died off. And the new generation stepped up. And Moses had written the first five books of the Bible, the Torah or the Tanakh, the Pentateuch, and he went through the story of creation all the way to how Israel came to be, to remind them that they are unique and peculiar people chosen by God and called by God before they were to enter into Canaan. But because of Moses' disobedience, of striking a rock rather than speaking to the rock, he was not allowed to go into the promised land. Moses, Joshua, was his successor, and Joshua would be leading the people across the red, the, the, um, the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. So then, what does the Jordan River represent? Well, first of all, it does represent freedom from 40 years of futile wandering in the desert. So in that regard, it's a wonderful freedom that they have. And you know, even when a person comes to Christ, if they choose not to live for Christ, the Lord's still looking out for them. Because as they were wandering in the wilderness. None of their clothes wore out, God provided manna for them. There was a a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day that led them. So God was with them, but because of their disobedience, they were not experiencing all that God had for them. When they came across the Jordan River, They were experiencing what God wanted for them. Now, does anyone remember Romans chapter 7, where Paul is agonizing about himself? He says, "Um, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. And he says, who will deliver this wretched man? And he said, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, we're not only saved, but we have the Holy Spirit of God to give us freedom. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom. So crossing the Jordan is coming into an understanding of the Christian faith that you can be set free from the demands of your old life, the life of the flesh, the world, and the devil, By setting your mind on what the Spirit desires rather than what the flesh desires. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do God's will instead of fighting God's will or doing the opposite of God's will. Freedom is found in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Now, crossing the Jordan also means entering your promised land that when you become a Christian, you need to realize that God has a plan, a purpose, and a place for you to occupy. God has a plan, a purpose, and a place for you to occupy. And when you are not living up to your birthright, all that's yours in Christ, you are living like a pauper when you may be sitting on an oil field and really be a billionaire. You're not even tapping into the riches that you have in Christ. And so the Lord wants you to cross the Jordan. He wants you to enter into your promised land. Don't settle for the world. Don't settle for a carnal Christian life. Don't settle for an imitation of the real thing. Press on to know the Lord and experience His purpose, plan, and place for you. It also represents dying to self because the waters will part, and again, they'll go through the waters on dry ground. And to do that, they just have to trust God. And when you trust God, you don't trust yourself as the final answer. You die to self. And you say, Lord, your will, not mine. I want to follow you. So it's a coming into the promised land is not a bed of roses without thorns. It's not a bowl of cherry cherries without pits. In the land are the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the other ites including the termites. (laughs) And what do they represent? It represents that when you cross the Jordan to live the victorious Christian life, you are in spiritual warfare, and you have to, by the power of God, defeat those things that are keeping you from being all God wants you to be. So. It's a battle, and that brings us to the next part, that crossing the Jordan means conquering and overcoming through the power of the Lord. Crossing the Jordan means conquering and overpowering, overcoming by the power of the Lord. It's not by might nor by strength, but by my power, saith the Lord. We cannot do anything apart from Christ. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me, and my words abide in you, and ask whatever, and I will grant it to you. So the Lord wants to give us the victory, Paul says in Romans 8, that we're more than conquerors to Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. And finally, if you read any hymns, including the hymn that we just sang on Jordan's stormy banks, the last stanza of most hymns refers to going to heaven. And so crossing the Jordan is a picture of finally going to heaven. You've conquered, you've overcome, you've finished, and you've gone across the River Jordan to heaven. When I was a high schooler, I used to listen to uh, George Beverly Shea records over and over again. I used to... Imitate George Beverly Shea and he sang a song about Jordan River. Um, let me see if I remember it. Let's see. Oh, roll, Jordan, roll. Roll, Jordan, roll. Well, I wants to go to heaven when I die. Oh, roll, Jordan, roll. I love George Beverly Shea. But did you hear that? Crossing the Jordan referred to going to heaven. And so those are the five things that the Jordan means. However, I want to ask a very practical question of you today as we look at Joshua 3. How do we cross the Jordan? How do we cross the Jordan? Number one, always follow the Lord. Joshua 3 Uh, Verses 3b and 4a say, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. The Christian life is a journey. And we need to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The Ark of the Covenant represents the Lord. So follow the Lord. Always follow the Lord, especially when you don't know where you're going. The human animal is the only animal that runs twice as fast when he's lost. Let me say that again. The human animal is the only animal that runs twice as fast when he's lost. How about stopping and saying, Lord, where are you going? I want to follow you. Lord, show me the way. Always follow the Lord. And he will lead you from a fleshly life to a spirit-filled life. He will give you victory and triumph and show you the way of overcoming. Secondly, consecrate yourself before the Lord, Joshua 3.5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Do you want to see the Lord do amazing things among you? then give yourself completely to him. Say, Lord, I am dedicated, I am consecrated to you. Cleanse me and make me yours completely. I surrender all, all to you I give. So that's the attitude that we're to have. It says in Romans chapter 12, therefore, in view of God's mercy, Give yourselves, consecrate yourself, surrender yourself, your entire self, to the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, as Joshua was focused on the consecration part, he uh, told the priest take up the Ark of the Covenant, representing the presence of the Lord, and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. How was God with Moses? When Moses stepped into the Red Sea, what did it do? It parted, didn't it? When Joshua has the priest with the Ark of the Covenant step into the Red Sea. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to part. When it parts, this generation that did not go through the Red Sea is going to realize that the story about Moses being used of the Lord to part the Red Sea applies to Joshua. And that Joshua is God's legitimate, ordained leader for them. God's gonna confirm his leadership that day through that miracle, because it says in Joshua 3.8, uh, the next thing is to take a forward step of faith. So not only are you to always follow the Lord and consecrate yourself, but you are to take a forward step of faith. Joshua 3.8, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand, in the river it's one thing to hear god give us some instructions and say yeah 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 i'll get to that i'll get around to it no when god asks you to do something do it obey now i was someone who struggled with the paralysis of analysis i was wondering if i should marry shirley and as a result, I kept asking myself the question, should I or should I not? Should I, should I not? This is the most important decision next to receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, because receiving Christ is for eternity and, and marriage is for all of life. And I want to make an important decision and a right decision on this. And the men in the Bible study, the men's group I was a part of, heard me waffling back and forth. And an older gentleman said to me, Lou, you just got to step into the waters. And you know, I needed that spiritual kick in the pants. Because we can analyze till the cows come home and not do anything. The Lord wants us to take a forward step of faith. He can't steer a parked car. And so I gulped, and I said, Shirley, I think I'd like to ask you to marry me. And later she would tell the story. He gulped, and I thought he said, I think I'm about to be sick. <laughs> but then I listened to his words again. I realized he just proposed to me. And I said, yes. And the moment Shirley said, yes, we hugged, and I felt. So free because instead of teeter tottering between two options, I put both feet on the same side and said, I'm committed to marrying Shirley. And what a peace that flooded my heart. But then we both were in shock. Wow, that means there's a lot of work to prepare for a wedding. But that's another story. The point is, you've got to take the first step, you've got to trust in the Lord. You've got to be obedient. You've got to follow through, not talk about it without doing anything about it. If you believe it, act on it and step out in faith. So Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Wow! If you were the young generation, and you had only heard that this had happened under Moses, but you never saw it, you're like, yeah! I would really believe that he's the living God. I would really believe that he's the Lord of the earth if the river Jordan stopped flowing. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And that leads us to the fact that we should marvel in what the Lord does for us. We shouldn't be surprised when he helps us to cross the Jordan because we've been following him and consecrating ourselves to him, and we've been taking that forward step in faith, we shouldn't be surprised at the victories he gives us, at the joy and the fullness and and the fruit that's the result of living for the Lord and relying upon him. We're going to see God do amazing things. We're going to see God prove himself over and over again. We're going to receive confirmation and affirmation that we're on the right path and that we are doing his will. So what happened? Joshua 3, 15 to 17. Now the Jordan is at the flood stage all during harvest. Joshua wants to make sure you all appreciate that the water was not ankle deep. It wasn't knee deep. It was chest deep or higher. This is not something anybody could go across without losing their life. It was at flood stage. But notice the writer says, Joshua, Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. When did it happen? As soon as their feet touched the water. Boom! The water stops flowing. And it goes on in this description, which is precious. It says, it piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. This is a miracle. The people knew that Joshua was God's man to lead them. The people knew Joshua was the living God and the Lord of all the earth because he did this miracle. They were walking out their faith in victory, no longer wandering but moving into their destiny, into their purpose that God had planned and the place that God had given them to occupy. They were headed right to the biggest fortress city in all of Canaan, Jericho. With confidence, we go with God's leader, with God's power, and we're going to continue to have victory. That could speak to your life. That could be your life. Always follow the Lord. Consecrate yourself to him. Take a forward step by faith in the Lord and marvel at what the Lord does. That's how you cross the Jordan. So Joshua three fifteen verse 17 says, The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and they stood on dry ground. While all Israel, about two to three million people, passed across the Jordan until the whole nation had completed crossing on what? On dry ground. This is a double miracle. It's one miracle to have the Jordan stop. It's another miracle for the ground to be dry. Now in the case of the Red Sea, the wind blew all night. To to dry up the ground. Here, the feet of the priest touch the water, the water stops and the ground gets dry, just like that. I mean, do you know what kind of dry ground is needed to support the weight of two to three million people crossing it? We can't have mud. You know, we can't have loose sediment. We got to have solid, dry ground. God did that. God wants to make the way for you and your future. It was Christmas break. I was in Connecticut where I lived. I had gone up to the church to go Christmas caroling, and the youth group had already left to sing carols at nursing homes. I was late because I was coming from after work, and they worked me a little bit longer than usual. So I was walking back home, it was a wintry day with snow on the ground. And I was wearing a snorkel coat. You know what a snorkel coat is? It's, it's, it's a coat with a hood. And when you zip it up, there's just a little, a little opening with fur around it. So your, your, your nose and your eyes are seen. So that's a snorkel coat. I look kind of like a mole. So I'm walking down the road and i'm praising the lord i'm just saying lord bless my youth group as they uh, go minister at these nursing homes singing you know christmas carols and and lord it's just good to be with you and talk to you and i'm heading home and i'm looking down when suddenly a thought comes to my head and that thought is what would you do if you saw a car heading right at you And I thought, what a bizarre thought. I said, well, I'd jump out of the way. It was a bizarre thought, but I answered it anyway. I'd jump out of the way. Ten feet down the road from that bizarre question, I looked up with my snorkel hood, and there in front of me was the headlight of a car. I had no time to think or reflect, only to react. So I jumped. I fell and I jumped sideways, and the car skinned my knuckles as it passed, and I landed in a snowbank. And as I lay in that snowbank, the peace of God just filled my heart. And the car skidded to a stop and backed up, and rolled down the window, and the driver said, I'm so sorry, I was yelling at the kids in the back seat, and I wasn't looking where I was going, and the next thing I knew, I was driving next to the curb, and then I saw you. Are you okay? Can we take you to the hospital? I said, I'm fine, I'm fine. The Lord warned me, Merry Christmas. And they drove off, and, and I walked down just marveling, at what the Lord had done. And from that point on, I can say with absolute 100% confidence that the Lord prepares us for what's down the road of life. The Lord prepares us for what's down the road of life. We need to listen to him. We need to follow him. We need to consecrate ourselves, give ourselves to him, surrender ourselves to him, We need to take that next step forward in faith, in obedience, and be ready to act in a moment's notice. And we need to marvel at what he's done. That's what it means. And that's what is involved in how to cross the Jordan River. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your word. You are so great that you lead your people today. You lead us corporately and you lead us individually. And Lord, we want to follow you. We want to give ourselves and consecrate ourselves to you. We want to take that step of faith and obedience to whatever you ask us to do. And we want to marvel and praise you for the great things you have done. And we say thank you, Lord, that victory is ours through the shed blood of Christ, and through the Spirit of Christ living inside of us. So Lord, help us not to live in defeat. Help us not to continue wandering in the wilderness, but help us to cross the Jordan, to step into the new life that's ours in Christ, to live by the power of the Spirit, according to the Word of God, to your glory. Lord, may we see victory in our lives rather than constant defeat. We ask for you to go before us and to help us, and we thank you in advance for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521.